Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Have you come to be changed this morning? Praise God, you will be challenged and you will be changed, praise God, as you leave this place. We're talking about spiritual thirst. I did lesson one on Wednesday evening, so if you weren't here, just a quick review provided for you. Our main text is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 6, and this is from the Message Translation of the Bible. It says, you're blessed when, you're worked, when you've worked up a good appetite for God. Have you got a good appetite for God this morning? He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. I like the way it says it that way to you. Hallelujah. You can't get better than that. Well, we talked about, and I'll just briefly say say this. We talked about the fact that of 108 billion people that have lived on the earth since Adam. Think about that. We're all uniquely made. We all have our own fingerprints, voice. We all have our own DNA, personality. But even though we're all uniquely made, we all still have thirst and hunger. Two things in common. Hunger and thirst. We need food and drink every single day of our lives. Unless you're fasting and praying, of course. But you get the point. We talked about the fact that there's natural water and there is supernatural water. And we talked about the fact there are levels of thirst. One can be slightly thirsty. One can be moderately thirsty, and one can be desperately thirsty. And we gave you some examples. When it comes to natural thirst, remember the Israelites went to Mara, and at Mara, after they went through the wilderness, they were in the desert, and for a few days without any water, they were desperately thirsty so much, so they were crying out to Moses, we're going to die because we're dehydrated and we have no water to drink. And we talked about that. We talked about the fact that Not only were they thirsty, Samson, when he fought 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, and we really went a little bit of depth in that. Can you imagine this? One man against 1,000. They had short-range weapons. They had mid-range weapons. They had long-range weapons. One man against 1,000. They had knives and swords for the short range. They had uh, spears for the the mid-range, and then they had slingshots and bow and arrow. For the long range. Did you ever see a Bruce Lee movie? How does he beat up 20 guys at one time? Some of these other ones where they use their whatever on their wrists and they bullets are flying like that. They're going like this, that, and all that and the other thing. 1,000 well-trained, highly sophisticated at war Philistines coming at one man who's got the jawbone of a donkey. Can you imagine what he was doing? He worked up a sweat. When he got done with the battle, he said, I killed a thousand, now I'm about to die of thirst. He was so thirsty, he was dehydrated. Okay? As I said, Wednesday night, if you were number 998, would you still be there? I would have been high telling it out of there. But when the hand of God is on somebody, look out. Can you say amen? And then, of course, ultimately, Jesus on the cross cried out what? I thirst, depleted of all of his resources for hydration, 
spilling out his blood, carrying his cross, etc., etc., and he's crying out, I thirst. So in the natural, we know we get thirsty when we're denied or deprived drink. Well, then we talked about there's a spiritual side to thirst. And we talked about David in Psalm 63, verse 1 through 4, how he said, O Lord, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul longer for thee, and my flesh thirsteth for thee as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power, to see your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary for your loving kindness is better than life. Therefore will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. He was crying out for what? Reality with God. He's in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. He's being deprived. He's being denied the very presence, the power, and the glory of the living God. And so he's crying out. He's thirsty for it. He was dehydrated spiritually, you could say. Amen? And then you got Paul the Apostle. And I love the way this reads in the, in the Message Bible. You can look it up for yourself in the Message Bible of, of Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through maybe 12, 14. And he just cried out and said, All that I have received and attained to in my faith, in my religious faith, in Judaism. I'm a Jew of the Jew. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm a, a, a Pharisee of the Pharisee. And he says, All this knowledge that I've acquired, he was highly educated and all that. He says, I count that all but, he said, dog dung. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. In other words, all that religion, all that intellect, all that stuff that's there. He's, that's all that natural stuff, even religious tradition and all that. Can't compare to the excellency of knowing Christ. And I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to be conformed to the fellowship of his suffering. I want to take on Jesus in me until he just comes out of every pore of my body. I want to clothe myself with his resurrection power. He was thirsty for Jesus. We need to be thirsty for Jesus today and every day of our lives. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely. And then there's that woman. I call her the blood issue woman. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years. She suffered many things, many physicians. She was nothing better, rather grew worse, spent all that she had. Okay, we can identify with that. And so here she is. She's in this place where she's drinking from the fountain of what? Religious tradition, human reasoning. She's drinking from the fountain of fear and despair. And all of a sudden, someone comes and makes her thirsty for the water that gives life. And tells her that there is a man, his name is Jesus. We might think he's the Messiah. And if you touch him, you're made whole. All of a sudden, she was no longer. She got tired of drinking from the fountain of all that. And she said, it's time for me. I thirst. I want the power of God. I want the glory of God. I'm tired of religion, religious traditions, human ego. I'm tired of all this stuff. I want Jesus. And I want to touch his garment. And if I do, I will be healed. I will be whole. She got herself up. She got herself out. And she made her journey. And guess what? She was so thirsty for God. She pressed to the crowd. And she touched his garment. And when she did, she was made whole of that plague. And the Bible says that virtue, power, went out of Jesus to heal her. See, this is not this case that I mentality. If we just sit back and just say, well, God will have his way. Whatever he wants to do, he'll do. She'd have died in that cottage. She said, I'm, I'm ripping off this religious coat. I'm ri ripping off this, these mandates. I'm going to pull myself together. I'm going to go there and I'm going to touch him. Praise God. That's what I'm doing. And she did and she got it. And she was delivered, set free and made whole. So there's a spiritual thirst that I'll tell you what, they'll take his places in God. So she was desperately thirsty. And then look at this Isaiah 44 and verse 3 in the Message Bible. Then we'll continue our study. For I will pour water on the thirsty ground. Is your ground thirsty this morning? Amen. And send streams coursing through the parched earth. 
Are you parched this morning? Do you want more of God? I will pour my spirit into your descendants and my blessing on your children. Did you hear that? When you're thirsty and you stay thirsty, that blessing will, will be poured out on your children and your children's children. And that, praise God, outpouring of God's spirit will abide with them and on them and empower them to serve him and honor him with their lives as well. But notice, he doesn't pour out his spirit where the ground of a person's life is saturated with human ego, religious traditions, and, and uh, intellect and all that. Or even sinful desires and pleasures and carnal things and carnal realities. He pours out his spirit where the heart of a man cries out, I am thirsty for more of you, Lord. I am thirsty to have a greater anointing in my life, the greater manifestation of your power in my life. My heart thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. I'm crying out for you as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Now, let's we continue our study. Look at Jeremiah. Chapter 2, verse 13, from the New Living Translation of the Bible. For my people have done two evil things. Number one, they've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. You realize that every person alive is spiritually dehydrated? spiritually dehydrated doesn't matter who they are now people may not realize it people may deny it people will try to run from it I know a lot of people they run from church they don't want to hear about church and if you try to tell them a scripture or something like that they want to run from you right they reject it they run from it they deny it they'll say no I don't need religion in my life okay that's what they'll say but the truth of the matter is they are thirsty. They just don't know what they're thirsty for. I can prove it to you. If I took a hundred people from this congregation and put you on some beach somewhere where it's a hundred degrees every single day or in a desert and it's hundred degrees every single day, let you stay there for a while. Will you get dehydrated? Yes, you will. Does it matter whether you're a male or a female? Does it matter what your nationality is? No. You are going to become thirsty and then your tongue will start sticking to the roof of your mouth and your flesh will be crying out for water, something to drink, right? A hundred out of a hundred, no doubt about it. Well, give me a hundred sinners and have them deprived relationship with God through sin and I guarantee you each and every one of them are dehydrated they need some spiritual things in their lives they just don't know it and when they try to satisfy that thirst with things uh, that are wrong or things that go to places that won't provide that then they're going to continue to be empty continue to be thirsty and continue seeking something to help them recover from their dehydration but you see the thing is they don't know they are spiritually dehydrated so they're not going to be satisfied so everyone is thirsty for God the people you work with are thirsty for God no matter where you work the people where you shop they're thirsty for God they may not know it but they're thirsty for God and when a person is thirsty for God that need has got to be fulfilled 
So if you see someone who says, I am unsatisfied, I am unfulfilled in life, you know what that is? That's called spiritual thirst. They are thirsty. So when someone comes up to you and just says, I'm just so dissatisfied or unsatisfied with my life. And someone says, I feel so unfulfilled in my life, unfulfilled in my marriage, unfulfilled in my family, unfulfilled in my job, unfulfilled in this, unfulfilled in that. Guess what? They are thirsty. They are spiritually dehydrated and they are thirsty, but they are thirsty for God and they just do not know that. When man fell from the presence of God, it left a God-shaped hole in the heart of man. A hole that could not be filled with anything else but the presence of the living God. And when man fell from the presence of God, that left emptiness in the heart of God who wanted our fellowship. So there's a man-shaped hole in the heart of God which did what? Moved him to send his son to the earth to die for us to restore the relationship that we had with him. So when you got people on this earth that are thirsty for things of God and instead of seeking satisfaction with him, they're seeking satisfaction through other things. What they are doing is digging for themselves cisterns that cannot hold any water. For the d- desires of the flesh that we have, carnal desires, our carnal nature, all those things that we seek after, guess what? They will never satisfy. They are insatiable desires that we all have that can never be satisfied. Why? Because the cistern is broken. There's a crack in it. And two things happen. There's either contamination or it leaks out in such a way you have to continue drinking and continue drinking and continue drinking. But you still you can never get satisfied. Never get satisfied. So if you think about it this way, okay, the drug addict didn't start as a drug addict. They maybe took one drug, took another one, another one, another one. Before you know it, they want more. They want more. They want, why? Because there's no satisfaction there. The alcoholic didn't become an alcoholic overnight. You start with this and one drink and then before you know it, more. I need more. I need more to satisfy. More to satisfy. Before you know it, they have to have it all the time to be satisfied. When it comes to uh, addiction, when it comes to porn and something like that, someone starts with one little magazine or whatever. Before you know it, they're not satisfied. They're not satisfied. They're not satisfied. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And so they are unfulfilled. And they're finding out it's not fulfilling. Then you take, for example, the movie star. Or you take the rock star and all that. And all those people that supposedly have the most wonderful lives that there possibly could be upon the earth. And they go and commit suicide that we hear about. Why? All the wealth, all the money, all the fame, all the fortune, all the prestige. All the, the parties and, and where they've been and all that they've done. And all the bank accounts and all that. And you hear them say, I'm just so unsatisfied. I'm just so unfulfilled. I've got all this. They should have the most wonderful marriages. If marriage was only about beauty and being beautiful and handsome they should have the most uh, wonderful marriages that there is upon the planet but yet they're not happy they're not satisfied if they married for three years guess what that's a miracle if they stayed married for three years for the most part well why are they so unsatisfied why are they so unfulfilled because they are thirsty for God and they are dehydrated spiritually and they do not know it they need you and they need me to tell them what you're looking for is a relationship with the living God only he satisfies the sin sick soul only he can quench your thirst that you have within only he can they're digging for themselves wells uh, that leak And only Jesus offers the kind of water that they need. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. So look at John chapter 4. And this is the woman that was at the well. And also, which I didn't mention to you. Do we have those papers out there in the narthex, the prayer? From Wednesday night, we put together a little bit of a prayer. And also some prayer prayer focus and objectives. So that if we all would pray this together. If you're thirsty for God in this place. 
I don't know about you, but I want to see a greater manifestation of the working of God's almighty power that saves the lost, heals the sick, and sets the captives free. That reaches out and touches the hearts and lives of people in powerful ways like they've never experienced before. I want to see reality with God in people's lives, don't you? Then get a hold of this prayer focus. Pray it with us every single day and believe God with us for this bowing of the heavens into the earth so that he can show himself strong so we can have days of heaven on earth. I don't want religion when we gather together. I want Jesus to show up like he did this morning. I want the Holy Spirit to show up like he did. I want the power of God to be on display in manifestation. Praise God. You say, well, we might get a little crazy. That's okay. He doesn't mind that. Not at all. You find John 4 verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being weary with his journey sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. In other words it was noon. It was hot. It was noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her give me to drink. For his disciples were gone to go get some food. To buy some meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria. How is it that you being a Jew. Asking of me drink. Which is a, I'm a woman of Samaria. See that was taboo. You don't do that. Matter of fact many of the Jews just in arrogance walked around that place even though it was closer to get where they needed to go they would go around it they would even step the step foot in Samaria a lot of uh, tension between the two and especially a woman Jesus talking to a woman by herself at the well a lot of there's a lot of truth in this for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans right and Jesus answered and said unto her if you knew the gift of God notice he doesn't even address that if you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee give me to drink thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water the woman saith unto him sir thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep very deep well from whence then hast thou that living water Art thou greater than our father Jacob which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Natural water. Natural things are insatiable. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give, which is a gift, he said, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well, notice a well, of water springing up to everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She was thinking about how hard it was to carry that water back. It wasn't an easy task for her to do. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. In that saidest thou truly, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Believe me, the hour comes, and when ye shall neither worship, or in this mountain, nor at Jerusalem, worship the Father, you worship what you know not. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is that when the true worshipers of God shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. For God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So here we have this dialogue between Jesus and this here Samaritan woman, woman of Samaria at the well. Now, this woman was thirsty but she didn't know what she was thirsty for. One, she was thirsty for love. Five husbands. And the one she was living with was not her husband. And Jesus let her know that he knew that. 
she was thirsting for love. And she was trying to find love in the wrong places. Someone should make a song about that. (laughs) Anyhow. She wanted love. Everybody wants to be loved. And she was looking for it. She didn't realize the thirst that she had was a spiritual thirst. She was dehydrated spiritually and that's what she was longing for. And she was trying to find it in a relationship. And when marriage apparently after the fifth one didn't work, she finally just says, well, let's just live together. Right? Isn't that what it says? Isn't that what the narrative says? Yeah. And Jesus said, he's not even your husband. Secondly, she was looking for acceptance. You know why I know that? She was there at the well alone. It was noon. The women would go early in the morning together and it would be their social time of fellowship and they would go to the well together, they would get the water together, they'd go back to the village wherever they were together. This woman was all by herself alone probably because of her history. She was probably shunned by the other women because look, you've been married five times and the guy you're living with right now and and it was frowned upon back then to be as she was. So she's looking for acceptance. But once again, she can't find acceptance. She's got this thirst, this, this spiritual thirst, and she just cannot find what she's looking for to be satisfied in life. Then thirdly, she's looking for really the truth, for true religion. She finally tells Jesus, you know what, the, the Samaritans say we worship here, and the Jews say we worship there. What well, really is the truth I want to know. So she's crying out, she's thirsty. She wants love, she wants acceptance. She wants spiritual truth, she wants to know the truth. Right? And what does Jesus do? Jesus offers her living water. Why? Because Jesus knows she's thirsty. Beloved, the people that you work with, that shun you, that laugh at you, that mock you, that ridicule you, they're thirsty. They just don't know it. They think they're thirsty for all these things that don't satisfy, but they don't satisfy and they'll never be fulfilled. They're looking for all this stuff in the wrong places. They're digging for themselves wells that cannot hold water. And they're severed from the presence and power of the living God. Well, Jesus, look at John 4 in verse 13 and 14 again. Jesus offers her water that permanently satisfied the human life. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. See, the waters of this life, they can only do so much for you. They're insatiable desires that we have as human beings, and they'll never be satisfied. Young person, listen to me. Stay on the right path. Stay on the straight and narrow, because all those things that the world offers out there to you that says, try this and try that and go down that path and do this. This is going to make you happy. This is going to make you satisfied. When you get to be an elderly person, a more mature person, you look back on those days and say, what in the world was I even thinking? Why would I allow something like that that doesn't satisfy to get me off course with God? Why go down a path that has nothing but a dead end at the end of it and live my life on that path and then one day when I really need to know God, when I need to have God, I don't know where he's at. I can't find him. Whoso drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be where? In him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. 
if you genuinely get born again you receive this, the life of God on the inside of you I'm telling you there's going to be such satisfaction a joy unspeakable that's so full of glory you're going to be feel so fulfilled in life so satisfied in life why because nothing satisfies like that because you know should tomorrow be your last day on planet earth you are going directly to be with the king of kings and the lord of lords and walk upon streets of gold and celebrate throughout the eternal ages but when you don't know that and you're living here on this planet and you think all is well and maybe but then you get to the point where you don't really know what life is all about how many out there they don't have no idea what life is all about I know because you don't know God but if you knew God you would know why you're alive on this earth you're here to glorify him by completing the work that he gives you to do and what he calls you to do what he tells you to do and where he tells you to be if you'll fulfill that praise God no matter what your, your thing is hooking up with the church People that are out there that say, I don't need to be a church. Yes, they do need to be a part of a body of Christ because the word of God makes it very clear. And as you see the day approaching, all the more should we be together with one another. Why? To encourage each other, to feed each other, to help each other. To do what? I'm here to make you thirsty this morning. I'm throwing out some salted peanuts this morning and popcorn this morning to make you thirstier for the things of God. Can you say amen? That's going to encourage you to get thirstier for the things of God. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. Don't be complacent. To be honest with you, complacency is the biggest crack that we all have in the cistern of God. The well is completely depleted when you get to a, pl- a point or a place of complacency. Look at this. I love what she did. Look at verses 28 through 30 of the same chapter. The woman then left her water pot. Whoo, that could preach right there, couldn't it? Did you hear that? What's the water pot represent? The way she could get the water. You're going to leave that water pot? What about somebody steals it and you can't find another one for a long time? You're not going to have any water. In other words, she left natural water for spiritual water. She left that water pot. She went her way to the city. She said to the men, come and see a man which told me all things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Notice this newfound joy. Notice this newfound enthusiasm and excitement about life. You've got to come. All the out, she's the outcast, remember. Nobody wants to be around her. So she goes and finds all these people. You've got to come and see this guy. You've got to come. Come on. You got. When you get born again, you've got to tell people about Jesus. You want to tell people about Jesus and the newfound life that you have in him this living water that's on the inside of you a that springs up to everlasting life you want to share it and so that's exactly what she began to do and if you think about this whole story what you discover is this only Jesus can give life he's the one that has the water of life he's the fountain of life that we can drink from that provides life for us the next thing you find out is This was a woman of Samaria. You know what that means? The Jews have no dealings with them. I'm better than you are. Get out of here. I'm not even going to walk. I'm not going to put my feet where you walk. I'm going to walk around your your country. I'm going to go over here and go that way. Let me tell you something right now. That was a Jew's perspective. And many that were arrogant and thought, who are you? You're a lesser human being than I am. You know what? Jesus, the immaculate son of God, the holy one of Israel, walks right up and sits on her well and starts talking to a woman who he could have been accused of trying to hit on her and all that stuff. Okay, you know that could have been going out there. But what does Jesus do? He says, look, lady, you may be a Samaritan, but to me, your life is valuable. Your life is precious. As far as I'm concerned, I need to reach you as well as everybody else that's in this world. So I want to talk to you. No matter where you're at in life, 
No matter what your background, no matter what you're going through, I'm telling you, thank God for his mercy and thank God for his grace. He wants us to come unto him to have mercy upon us. It doesn't matter if you were a thief, a murderer. It doesn't matter whatever you did in life before you ever came to know Christ. Praise God, there's mercy for every one of us. And every human heart is, as far as he's concerned, valuable, so precious that he shed his blood for that life. You know what that means? That the most vile person that's out there that you might be associated with, God loves him. And that life is valuable. And he probably wants to use you to reach that person. So let your light so shine that they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Can you say amen? So what did she find? She found love in the right place. She found acceptance. He makes us accepted in the beloved. Can you say amen? Aren't you glad that he does? Mm-hmm. She found the Messiah, Jesus. You realize he told her, I am the Messiah? You, you reread it, didn't we? Oh, when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us, he goes, I that speaketh unto thee am he. She had a personal revelation from Jesus Christ himself that I am the Messiah. No wonder she hightailed it out of there. No wonder why she went back to all the people that were shunning her. You've got to come. And when they came back, you know what they said? Now we believe, not because you told us, but because we see ourselves. And that's what's going to happen. People will see that. So no matter who we are, we're valuable in the sight of God. He cares about our spirit, soul, and body, every aspect of our lives. Okay, John 7, 37 through 39. Notice she got the well springing up into everlasting life. Here goes the popcorn. Here goes the peanuts. In the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive. Notice that they which believe on him. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And you should receive, you should receive, you should receive the Holy Ghost. Because you see, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus wasn't yet glorified. Did you hear that? If you believe on Jesus, you've got a level of water. But if you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't have a well springing up to everlasting life. You've got rivers of living water in you that will flow out from you and heal the sick and set the captives free, the anointing, the power, the glory of God. You see, we can be satisfied with where we are at. Or we can say, I am thirsty. I am so thirsty. Lord, I want So he's talking about this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Quickly, let's go to Acts chapter 1. We'll get through this real quick. Chapter 1. Rivers refers to the baptism of the Spirit. Here we have Jesus he just spoke to his disciples. He's speaking to them now by saying this before he leaves to go to heaven. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you. Notice he didn't say I come on you. They're not receiving Jesus, but the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had, when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven the same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go up. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount of called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went to where? An upper room 
Who was in the upper room? Well, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer, supplication with the women and who? Who? Mary, the mother of Jesus. And they were where? In the upper room with his brethren. Okay, his brothers. Now it's a family affair. Actually, we've got 120 people in an upper room. They've already received Christ because they saw him. He breathed on them and they received eternal life. And why were they going to Jerusalem? To wait for what? The outpouring of the Spirit for the Holy Ghost to receive rivers of living water. Not just a well, but rivers. So in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, here they are. If you can see this, they're in one accord. I didn't know they made accords back then, but never mind. They're all in one accord. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. All. I looked up the word all in the dictionary, and you know what it said? All. all with one accord in one place and suddenly I love the suddenlies of the Bible hallelujah I love don't you love suddenly suddenly there came a sound and where did it come from not the back bedroom no not the kitchen not one of the kids saying mom I'm hungry no no there came a sound from where heaven as of a rushing mighty wind it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues Paul if you can get that we'll show it here a little bit later cloven tongues like as a fire it sat upon each of them and they were all how many were filled all how many were there 120 how many were in that one accord all 120 all the disciples the brother of our Lord right and who was the woman that they named they very rarely named women Mary, the mother of Jesus, was where? In the upper room. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I I was reared up in church for 24 years. I didn't know Mary was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. You realize that? Is it not there? Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and spoke with other tongues on the day of Pentecost with all the others. Why is that hidden from people? And then you go to Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house. He's the centurion. He's the head of the the centurion of the Italian band. The first Gentiles were Italians that came into the family of God. The first Gentiles were Italians. And they got born again and filled with the Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Think about that. And it was all God that initiated the whole thing. With the Jew and with the Gentile. When they got rivers. Is a, which, what do you think is power, more powerful? The well or the river? Rivers of living water. Rivers of life giving water. So you see they got filled to overflowing in such a way that praise God. It poured out of them in an unknown tongue. That gave them the ability to tap into the supernatural. Generate miracle working power. And just give them a different level of water in their lives. And look at this in Acts 4. 29 to 31. Let's read these. They got persecuted because the man got healed. Because of this power that they possessed. And after he got healed. They were taken aside. Peter and John. 
And now, Lord, behold, they, and, and what happened was they brought him in question and they began to basically threaten him. Don't you preach? Don't you teach in this name any longer? Okay, don't do it. And what, what happened? They went to their own company. They reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to one of God and said, Lord, you're God. You made heaven, earth, and sea, and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ, of a truth against the holy child Jesus. But now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants with all boldness that may speak thy word. How? By stretching forth thine handy heel. And that signs and wonders might be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. That's Holy Ghost power. They weren't just shaken. The place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Beloved, that's church right there. I said, that's church. We're living in a world right now that's a lot of uncertainty that's out there. But in the church, praise God, it should be getting bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter. And more and more into the perfect day. That the power of God is greater in us than whatever else is out there in that world. And it's only when the church wakes up and rises up and starts realizing, I got the power of God. Not just to sing and dance and run around. But the power of God to stand against all that's evil out there in this world and say, Uh-uh, devil. No, no, no. You won't dominate my life any longer. I've got the greater one one living in me I've got the greater one on the inside of me uh, there a quick testimony when a, a fellow that I went to school with at Rama, he, he went back to South Africa started a church in South Africa which became uh, really Rama Bible Training Center South Africa okay and God used him in a mighty way well one day he's preaching at his pulpit and all of a sudden some guy comes walking down the aisle and he's running toward him with a knife in his hands he's going to kill the pastor And as he's running, the pastor looks over and went, in the name of Jesus, boom, unseen power of darkness hit him right between the eyes, knocked him on the ground, and he was bound to the floor until the police came and carted him away. Can you imagine that? We have no idea what we possess. If you're not spirit-filled, we're not just talking about tongues. Don't let the devil scare you off because tongues. Jesus said, if you're, if you're my disciple, you're going to speak in tongues. Is the spirit good? Did he not say, in my name, cast out the devil, speak with new tongues, take up serpent? Did he say all that? But you see, tradition has wiped that away from people's minds. And they're afraid of it. What they're afraid of is the very power that quickens our mortal bodies. What they're afraid of is the very power and presence of the living God on the inside that's greater than whatever it is that we face on the outside. That's the thing. And that's why the devil doesn't want you to have that. He quickens our mortal bodies. So now, I want to close with this. In Ezekiel chapter 47. Do you got that picture yet, Paul? Uh, Before we look at this, throw this up. You see that? Is that Mozambique? That's in Mozambique. You've got the skeptics today. They say, well, if it's going to like the day of Pentecost, then how come the fire doesn't fall like it did and, and land upon each of them? You know why I'm so, I'm so glad that the scripture was clear in saying that cloven tongue like a fire sat on each 120 of them because that means it's for every person that was there, including Mary, the mother of Jesus. This guy's preaching in Mozambique like I'm preaching to you today that there was a baptism in the Holy Spirit with fire that transcends anything you've ever experienced. You gotta come first and get saved then secondly get filled. And when he preached that cloven tongues like as a fire 
fell upon every one of these who were at that meeting and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Look at that. And it was captured on, in a picture. And the glory can be cap- captured in a picture. We had that happen to baptism. Now go to, let's close Ezekiel 47. Now here's Ezekiel. Power of God picked him up, sat him down, did a lot of things in his life. But here, God shows him something. When the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Do you know what? We can be satisfied with ankle deep water. I'm just walking with Jesus. Yeah, in ankle deep water. Isn't it wonderful to be in Jesus in ankle deep water? Yeah, that's wonderful. And I'm sure he appreciates that. The fact that you've come to him and you're walking in ankle deep water. Praise God for ankle deep water. Hmm. Okay. Now, again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the knees. Oh, now guess what? See, you're spiritually thirsty and now your water level has it's risen. It's up to your knees. We should never think we got all that there is and we're going to sit back and just rejoice and say, I've got, mm. the water's now to the knees. Okay. And he measured a thousand and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. You getting the picture here? Okay. Afterward, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Hallelujah. So we could either wade with Jesus in ankle deep water, or we could begin walking with him with some deeper water, or we can enter even the deeper waters of loin level water that we're walking in Jesus and getting more and more, or praise God, we can just say, I'm throwing caution to the wind. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the fullness of your power. I want to swim in the waters that satisfy the human soul. I want to live with you and walk with you, Jesus, in the waters of life. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's more. Can you see that? There's more for us to have. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you 
and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.